You're listening to the Apple Insider Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Apple Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Victor Marks, and joining me is wafer-thin William Gallagher. Oh, I didn't think it could get better than wonderful. You're my new favorite person. And in fact, you've just <laughs> cheered me up. That's what you've done. There you have yeah. it. Last night, I was excited. Continuing from yesterday. Yeah. No, no, no. This is good. So I, I am so glad you're joining me. And yesterday, we spoke briefly about just, just the rundown of what the devices are that were announced yesterday and their basic pricing. Today, I'd like to talk a little bit more about how we differentiate them and how we choose which one it might be for you. What? Because there's some confusion. There is, and I think more than usual. This is actually, yesterday I was excited. Today, I've gone through the reality of I have no idea which one I want. And there are so many little variations that are mattering. Uh, are you clearer, or should we just take it through logically and sensibly? First of all, there are, there's the, the whole budget problem, yes. right? Yes. And the budget problem stems because the the average selling price of these things seems to be pushing so much higher. Totally. I mean, I remember paying £500 for the very first iPhone, and that was astonishing. I don't know how did I ever manage to get that money together at that time. Uh, and now, you know, that's not even a, a third of what you could pay. No, well, it is. Well, first of all, the pound was a little bit stronger that's back true. then. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, before you guys decided to jump off this Brexit yeah. cliff, the pound was doing a little bit better. And secondly, you're right, the price has gone up significantly. You know, there, there was a time when the first iPhone cost, you know, what it cost at the time. I, I forget, I think I paid 600 bucks for one. And it was um, it was the thing that, that uh, Steve Ballmer made fun of Apple for, saying, you know, no one's going to pay that much for a phone unsubsidized. And of course, yes. here we are. Now, as I'm looking at it, I sent you a graph that... Uh, Horace Dedue made up over at a Simcoe, and it shows the the price over time having risen for which model and what the price point was, and so yeah, the first the first phones were about were six hundred dollars, and that's of course what I spent on my very first one on launch day, and then they went up with the three G and three GS models, they rose again with the four S model, and then stayed that way all the way through the introduction of the six plus where it rose again. And we just crept up over time. But the biggest jump is with the iPhone X and then again to the XS models. And the only thing I can think of looking at this, I mean, you look at this, right? And the, the iPhone X 256 gig model was in, in that, um, what, $1,150,000, yeah. you know, $1,150 price point. The only thing I can figure is they must have sold a ton yes. of the iPhone X 256 gig model to bolster them, to give them the intestinal fortitude to to go ahead and charge as much as they're charging for the rest of the new models here. There is a thing, a relevant thing. I mean, as much as I would mock Steve Barmer for a hundred things, he, his point about subsidized was true. I did pay full price for my original iPhone, but from then to, I think, my six, I didn't. I subsidized contracts, all sorts of things. So although I was conscious that I was putting out a lot of money, I wasn't handing over masses of cash in one go. And now it seems like really uh, carriers and suppliers are, are leading us back to the full price model. And so pricing... It's never not relevant, but now it seems more acutely relevant, more painfully relevant. Absolutely. And I have been um, off contract for quite some time now, and I'm loath to go same back on. Yeah. 
you know, what, what I had hopes for was that the Apple upgrade program would allow me to pay Apple directly. And instead, what they've done in the US is if I want an unlocked phone that's not associated with a carrier at the get go, I, I have to uh, pay full boat that if I pick a carrier, then they'll let me do the subsidized portion through the Apple upgrade program. But otherwise, I'm stuck. You made a crack about us and our Brexit economy. And I'm so with you on that. But actually, in this one sense, we're we are better off than America because uh, Apple has an iPhone upgrade program here exactly the same model with the single exception that it's unlocked from the start. We don't have any of that issue. But do you have to select a carrier when you do it? Uh, it says on. Well, I'm actually looking at going into it myself now. So I've been looking at the page for it, and the advice is, you know, you choose a carrier, but unlocked is the default. So let me just uh, confirm that. Uh, if I end up buying this, really, really, okay. Um, actually, also you have to go to a local store to enrol. That seems a bit naff, doesn't it? Okay. Mm. So when I when I click through, if I click a carrier, it gives me the the monthly price. If I click unlocked, it gives me the full price immediately, right. and that was the the distinction that I didn't like. But that's not important because that's been going on for ages. What's important here <clears throat> is that I get a cup of tea. <laughs> no, what's important here is is that we have these more expensive models, and even the iPhone XR, which is of course the one people are calling the affordable model is more expensive than many of the models have been traditionally. Yeah, we're Egypt's, aren't we? we? Our sense of scale changes. It's the Amazon model. There'll always be three prices. Yeah, the top one, ludicrously expensive that they know nobody will buy, but it makes the, the other two seem reasonable because there's something in our heads that buys that. So yes, I'm thinking of the XR as the cheap one. And it's ridiculous, isn't it? I'm being very foolish there. You know, I'm, I'm looking at the chart, and the, we, the XR is kind of in line with with the other things here, right? The the XR 128 gig is cost a bit more than the seven plus 32 gig, and a bit less than the seven plus 256 gig. Um, the XR sixty four is in line with the six plus thirty two gig, so it's it's not absurd. It's also in line with with where the uh, the six iPhone six thirty two gig and six plus sixteen gig were. So it's not completely out of line for the iPhone XR to be what it's priced at. But the idea that it's um, the two fifty six gig model costs more than say a seven plus one hundred twenty eight gig did at launch is sort of astounding. Yes. I'm trying to think of ways to not think about the money. Um, and obviously I do. And obviously my accountant would rather I did more. Um, can I just check another difference, though, with America? In in the UK, it isn't always possible. But every now and again, and particularly in the run-up to Christmas, Apple seems to do deals with a particular bank here, Barclays Bank, to do um, interest-free um, um, loans, payments, and things. I think at the moment, as I look, there isn't the uh, interest-free one, but there are other loans and things. I presume there are similar financing options in the states to at least make it spreadable, outable. Uh, rarer. What happens instead is that the carriers will make deals. You know, buy one get one, and they will heavily discount uh, a very affordable iPhone model in the hopes that you'll open up two lines of of uh, both lines of credit as well as lines of service and pay them exorbitant amounts of money for those lines of service. These retail differences are fascinating between countries. But sorry, so 
they really we are. have incredibly expensive phones. Um, I offer that part of the problem I'm having anyway is that I had my heart set on an iPhone XS Max. Yeah, you know, people are saying that sounds like tennis match, and I can't get that out of my head. No, they have. But I thought that would replace uh, my smaller iPad. I could do all sorts of things with it. But I, then I was looking at the price, and I could actually buy an iPhone XR and an iPad for less than that. Not an iPad Pro, but an iPad. Or an iPhone XR and an Apple Watch. And I don't need the Apple Watch, but I lust after the Apple Watch. So... You you very well could. Now, since we're talking about the 10R so much, let's let's get into a little bit deeper detail on it. Because the 10R is a, a very interesting phone. And by interesting, I mean strange and weird. Mm. I was saying there would be more details sort of overnight as we learnt about things. Um, what things have you heard about the XR, XR 10R? Well, so some of the stuff that we talked about yesterday, for example, you get the A12 Bionic chip inside. You get the Face ID, you get the camera features like the Smart HDR, you get the battery life that uh, Apple claims is better than the iPhone, the iPhone 8 Plus. And the, the sort of the way of considering it is that, yeah, it's got one less camera, but the screen is bigger, the battery life is better, and it's got a more powerful CPU and GPU and that neural net, neural engine. And at $750, it's a better deal than the 8 Plus that launched at 800 bucks. Yep. Okay, so the 8 Plus makes sense now when it's dropped to 700 if you really want that 2x telephoto zoom lens. Yeah, I'm not really into zoom. I, I believe in the uh, zoom with your feet uh, thing. I'd rather just walk closer to whatever it is. But I see the point, yes. Okay, so it's it's an interesting thing, right? You, you get a lot of the same things that the iPhone XR gets. Not necessarily exactly the same camera set because obviously you've got the one less lens, but... The, the single focus lens, the single, the, the, the one first lens is uh, said to be the same. The true depth camera is said to be the same. The secure enclave is said to be the same. So it's... it's. So uh, what would we be missing? Um, I, I struggle to pronounce this word for some reason. Uh, the, the background fading. The, the bokeh, broker, um, is that something we'd... Bokeh. Bokeh. bokeh as in uh, flowers. That's how I should it. Not quite, but but uh, you know Phil Schiller says bokeh, oh, yes, or boca, boca is how he was saying, which sounds a lot like Boca Raton in Florida. Yeah. I, at any rate, so you can do some of that via the software effects, right? You can set the depth in software, which is a trick that Apple learned from Google's Pixel that does it in software as well. And so if you have the XR, you can still get that kind of effect. You're just not using the, the depth mapping generated by the second camera. Okay, you say just, but um, um, is that just as in uh, other older cameras uh, didn't have an optical zoom, but they had a digital zoom? And that sounds like much the same thing until you use it and you realize digital zoom is rubbish. No, it's, it's not exactly the same thing. Um, Instead of doing digital zoom, it is using the image signal processor and it's using um, a bit of the flash to try and help determine the edges. So there's there's a lot of interesting things going on there to be able to make it work like that. It's not it, it's not wrong. Let's okay. say that you know it will deliver you the ability to adjust that kind of effect. Remember, Lytro as a camera was able to do these kinds of tricks and didn't have multiple lenses all over the place. Okay, they had a single lens. So it's it's totally possible to do it, and it's not a hokey thing like digital zoom was hokey. But 
but there is some benefit to the the second camera here. Now, obviously, you're getting the LCD screen instead of the OLED screen, and some people think that's a feature as opposed to a detriment. The other thing is the the iPhone XR has some really big bezels all the way around it, right? And we talk edge-to-edge screen, but if you look, there's that big black ring circling yeah, the Yeah, that's thing. a good point. I had not even registered that. It is different. Yes. Okay. That's good, I think. Well, it's a difference that's a negative, the, but all right. Well, but it's it's there because if you're doing an LCD screen like that, you have to have a chin somewhere. And they could have just had a chin and the notch and made the sides go closer to the edges. But in a nod to, to making things symmetric and beautiful, they've gone ahead and made it all the way around. And some people don't like that. Some phone nerds are saying that's thick and awful and horrid and no one should ever buy that. But those are phone nerds. Well, ignore them. Yes. Uh, but hang on. Uh, does this mean that the the width of the screen uh, is narrower on the iPhone XR than it is on the X or the XS? Hard to say. I mean, they're they're differently sized devices, so narrow doesn't really indicate a whole lot here. The resolution of the XR is lower. It's a retina display as opposed to a super retina. So it, it retains that same kind of... Uh, pixel per inch that you'd get on the iPhone 8, for example. It's it's not as awesome as the... Yeah, I might actually be able to answer my own question here because, you know, as anybody might, overnight I did compile a list of all of the dimensions of all of the phones. Apple Insider has just released a size guide so you can actually see the comparison and I was working on that. So I'm not, you know, insane and couldn't sleep and thought, I'll just check that the iPhone XR is 150.9 millimetres, but it is. 150.9 150.9 millimeters uh, height. Uh, oh, no, it's the width I'm concerned about, isn't it? The iPhone XR is 75.7 millimeters wide, and the iPhone X is only 70.9. So it is bigger, which means um, the screen isn't smaller. They have beveled out a bit more with it. Because I was thinking when you uh, what you said about the, the phone fans, that maybe a logic is not just symmetry and beauty, which Apple rightly i think is concerned about but also just making it the same on the phones the actual display area so that you would in theory see the same amount of material as you would on any of the phones but you made that point about super retina which destroys that argument yeah well you want proportionality right because the thing is you have people who are developing their apps and their apps have to be able to render correctly on these different screens and they have to be able to do it without causing a lot of pain to the developer that you, you have to be able to make it easy for the developer to say, I'm going to send this app out and it's going to work on all of the current phones. And also, by the way, on the other phones that are still shipping, the 7 and the 8. And so if you start doing different proportions, things get very, very bad for the developers very, very quickly. Like, so they've had to maintain those those uh, aspect ratios, if you will. Uh, why am I thinking of the Android world? A friend told me she redesigned her website for every Android phone. And I'm afraid I, I laughed a little bit and pointed out how many there are. And she just thought, oh, forget it. It'll do. It's close enough. That which seems to be the answer to a lot of Android things to me. But there you go. This episode is brought to you by Jamp Now. Jamp Now makes it easy to set up, manage, and protect your Apple devices. It's easy to keep track of your own Mac, iPad, or iPhone. But what about the other Apple devices at work? As a business grows, so does its digital inventory, making it harder to manage everyone's Apple devices. This is especially true if employees are remote. With Jamf Now, you can check your digital inventory, distribute Wi-Fi and email settings, deploy apps, protect company data, and even lock or wipe a device as needed from anywhere. 
Jamp now manages devices so you can focus on your business instead. No IT experience needed. And now, Apple Insider podcast listeners can start securing your business today by setting up your first three devices for free, forever. Add more for just $2 a month per device. Create your free account today at jamf.com slash appleinsider. That's J-A-M-F dot com slash appleinsider. Now, also noteworthy is that the iPhone X is not for sale this year. Yes. Isn't that the first time that Apple's completely dropped to the last year's model? I'm not sure. No, it is not the first time. <laughs> it is not the first time, William. If, if you look back in history, I'm okay. here to help okay. you. Yes. The first iPhone was dropped in favor of the 3G. Oh, well, if you're going to go all the way back to there, great. The 3G model was dropped in favor of the 3GS. Yes. But Apple has never dropped a phone in the period that supports my argument. Incorrect. No, I'm reducing the period. I'm going to get you. (laughs) The iPhone 5 was very short-lived and was replaced by the 5S model. And the 5 was not continued to be sold. And this is why it's relevant. I'll tell you here. The 5S introduced Touch ID. Yes. Right? Okay. And that first Touch ID unit was not as capable as the one that followed it. And so the 5S was quickly dropped in favor of the 6. The 5S was no longer sold after that. The 5C did did consult for a little while. But the 5S, they only had one year of that first generation Touch ID because after that, they wanted everything to have the Touch ID with secure enclave. Right. Okay. No. For Apple I Pay. see your point. I would offer only that we're talking about the iPhone 5 and now we're on the iPhone 10. So that's half an iPhone ago all this was happening. Yeah. Okay. The iPhone 10 had the first generation Face ID. Yes. And... Here we've gone ahead and gotten rid of it in favor of a faster Face ID, faster secure enclave. Remember, they had all sorts of teething problems in manufacturing that first yes. depth sensor. So they well, they obviously sorted it out. They've had to revise how they do it. They're able to do it in number for all these different generations of phones that they've got to put out now. The the different models. So, and rather than carry on with the iPhone 10 that was clearly expensive to make and had difficulties manufacturing that true depth sensor. Just bin it, go with the new ones, get everyone on board with the new thing, which is the same as what happened with the 5S. Okay. I am obviously persuaded that that makes sense, but weirdly- I got you there. You you got me, (laughs) and uh, I wouldn't even deny that you have, except, this isn't really an except, Except. uh, it's something you did throw away comments, actually, just before you explained all that, mentioning that uh, the difference in the screens between the iPhone XR, that some people think it's actually a benefit to have the type of screen- it has. I mean, I have lusted after friends' uh, iPhone 10 screens. Uh, what's the advantage to not having the biggest and the best and the latest screen? There are people that are hung up on the notion that the OLED display is a pendile display. There are people that are hung up on on the notion that LCD performs better under certain circumstances. It's, it's really just down to preference at some okay. point. I don't know what pentile means. The arrangement oh. of the pixels. Take a microscope, okay. look at it. Right, because I'm bound to do that. Uh, I carry a microscope with me. Yeah. Almost, uh, uh, frankly. In your back pocket. Yes, because, you know, <laughs> where else would you put them? Okay. I, I do think I'm going to have to go into an Apple store and see them both side by side. But, you know, every time I would try yeah. an iPhone 10, it just looks so good. Um, okay. 
I'll be surprised if I... Well, no, actually, maybe I'm just getting old enough that my eyesight isn't good enough that I'll be able to tell the difference and I can save hundreds of pounds slash dollars. Okay. I don't know, man. The super retina display with bad eyesight sounds like a win oh. to me. All the details in the world and with your bad eyesight, you won't even notice if they're not. Okay. That's like super, super retina. Right. So actually higher resolution than my own vision <laughs> is possible. Okay, right. <laughs> okay, so there were a few things that weren't mentioned in the keynote yeah. that we should talk about. The iPhone XS, XS Max, and XR can read NFC tags, that's uh, near-field communication tags, in the background without the aid of an app. Okay, why would you do that? What's the advantage? Well, so there are all kinds of... So NFC gets used for tap-to-pay, for yeah. one thing, but it also is used for tap-to-pair, for some devices. Okay, I've used both of those things and I've liked them. I didn't think about that. Yes. Okay, so tap to pair requires an app that's looking for pairing and all of this stuff. Or you can use them for contact sharing. Um, They can be useful for check-in kinds of things. You know, if you're at an expo and you want to share your information with another expo attendee, you can tap their badge. If you are uh, checking in at a location, you can tap an NFC tag at the door to check into the location. There are all kinds of little minor applications like that. And in the past, you'd have to have an app ready for each one of those things, and that app would have to be open for each one of those things. And here, because it can happen in the background, that's better. Uh, This isn't an app working in the background. This is iOS working in the background. That's right. my understanding. So it would be working anyway, so it's not the old problem of background apps doing your battery life in. Then then I see that. That makes sense. I mean, I, it does seem, you know, Apple uses this word magical. Um, I do think it's magical when how fast you compare uh, things now. And, and paying, of course, I use Apple Pay on my watch um, daily and things. Um, so more of that, yeah, without affecting battery life. Yes, yeah. please. Okay. Yeah. Dual SIM functionality. Now, they talked a little bit about this in the keynote, which in for, for most of the world is going to be one physical SIM and one yes. eSIM. I mean, is not going to be ready. It's not going to be activated until later this year with an update to iOS 12. Oh, no, actually, I missed that. And I've been thinking about this. I mean, not particularly for myself, but I am I know people who get uh, burner phone apps because they need a second number for a short amount of time. Uh, presumably, this is Apple destroying that market. Uh-huh. No, no. The eSIM means that you're actually paying a second carrier for an additional line of service. And the burner phone is is more temporal than that and more portable than that. Okay. okay. The way the eSIM works is is something that I would do in my life where I travel frequently. And when I do, I tend to buy a SIM wherever I land. You know, if I come to the UK, then I pick up an EE SIM or I pick up a, a 3 SIM or something like that with a cheap data plan and, and swap SIMs. The eSIM means that I no longer have to do that. I can keep my primary SIM in the phone, not have to fool with taking it out, scan a QR code wherever I buy the the eSIM and data plan, and have the phone go ahead and then bring that in and act as the eSIM for that. And with the the DSDS functionality, it means that whatever one rings first or whatever one uses data is is going to be the primary SIM for that function. It's actually really smart. The difficulties, and there are a couple, is that they have to get all the carriers worldwide to get on board with it. Right, which is good. And also, they have to get all of the equivalents of our FCC or or the CE, you know, whoever governs wireless communications around the world, to get on board with the the eSIM functionality. And so they'll be turning that on in software later 
with an update to iOS 12, not the iOS 12 that ships on uh, September 17th. Now, the Chinese phone, the phones for China, are going to be dual SIM with dual physical SIMs. And in some ways, I appreciate that because it means that if you had one of those phones, you could just go anywhere mm. and it would work. I thought it was quite clever, the fact that that tray, they're choosing it. I mean, it might be a bit fiddly fitting them both in at one time, you know, balancing them, not falling out. But still, it's a clever use of space, I guess. It's really not that fiddly. I've done that with uh, a Huawei phone that I have that has a, a single tray that holds two nano SIMs. And it's not bad. Okay, good. What Do you know what happens it's not if bad I take a call on uh, my eSIM phone line and I get another one on my regular SIM phone line while I'm on it? I presume Apple has handled things and it will be uh, just like getting a second call now. But have they mentioned anything about that? Or? It should be. It, it should be. They haven't said, but the traditional practice for dual SIM phones is for that to, to be the case. You know, in, in years past with dual SIM phones, you used to have to select which one was active and which one would be on standby or select which one was primary, things like that. But but with the DSDS thing, it's that, that sort of trouble has kind of gone away. Okay. I first experienced doing dual SIM kind of stuff when I went to China. And, and, you know, in Hong Kong, you'd buy one SIM and in the mainland, you'd buy another and you'd have to switch or select between the two. So you get about a bit. And Just you phone places when you're there. Okay. I still remember having some talk, no. somebody, I can't remember what it was, some business thing. A guy walks in and says, what's it like, isn't it, having two phones? Nobody in the audience had ever had a second phone with him. Uh, and even I was sitting there thinking, if it's bothering you that much, you can just get a burner phone. You can just, whatever system he had, he could have routed both calls to one. And, and it was weird how he just lost the audience straight away with that. But anyway. Look, the thing to remember is that there are all kinds of unique situations in the world. And my my world traveling and using dual SIMs or, or buying SIMs when I land is one of the ones that's kind of – it's it's mixed, right? There are plenty of people who have T-Mobile plans in the U.S. that have roaming worldwide or, or Google Fi accounts that roam worldwide for the same cost at home. And they get on perfectly well. Uh, the idea of SIM swapping when you land is a little bit outdated in some ways, but the idea of being able to keep your worldwide roaming plan and pick up a local SIM for data is a smart one. And so Apple knows how many people there are and they know how many phones they sell. They know that it makes sense to do this. Right. Okay. Uh, and and it's a problem that they experience personally when they're sending engineers around the world to visit their factories and, and work things out. Wouldn't it be nice to have access to that, those sales figures? Mind you, the first thing I want to know is about the Apple Watch, but that's another story. Yeah. Hmm. Now, the the new iPhones, we said this part yesterday, the new iPhones ship with the the inadequate 5-watt charger, which is the, the very small 1-amp charger. And uh, I, I'm, I'm okay with calling that inadequate because it is the slowest way to charge your phone. Uh, even slower than um, uh, using the air power charging pad. Well, nothing slower than using an air-powered charging pad simply because they don't exist. Okay, sorry. Yes, okay, but um, uh, <laughs> yes, I'm trying to work out the right. I think I've never been terribly fussed about recharge times because I always recharge overnight, and it's just you know. Oh, oh. you meant you meant the cheap charger Thank using you. the charging yes. mat. Couldn't remember. Okay, because you said air power, and air power is a thing that's interesting because air power was announced, gosh, a year yes. ago. Yes. Should have come out by now. Was supposed to be debuted sometime in 2018, and we're rapidly running out of 2018s. 
And uh, all signs point to the fact that it may never exist because Apple has pretty much scrubbed the website of it. Right, I didn't know that. I'd heard stories that it, the technology had failed completely, but that's distressing. That's the suspicion. Mm. Yeah, that's the suspicion. But if you try and find mentions of air power on Apple's website, there are frighteningly few. Actually, I do think Apple is really good with how they handle their website. I, 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 I wasn't kidding when I said I looked up all the figures for dimensions and things uh, for the guide to it. And I obviously I wanted to compare the SE because everybody misses the small little SE. And you know the Google link is there; it will take you to the page. But the second it went off sale, that page is removed and you're redirected through to the later models. Yeah, you know, they're really on top of things there. Well, they are and they aren't because the reason that we had all these That's leaks true. beforehand showing images of the new phone and the watch right. were because because they'd had the website post uh, post keynote site ready and the images were already uploaded, which is why they were able to be downloaded right. and then leaked. Okay, but apart from that, so they, massive failure. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. <your point. laughs> I think the thing about the SE that that is interesting is the SE served a very reasonable place in the price points of iPhones and the SE served that smaller device size need. So there are people like Neil Hughes and we love Neil and Neil loves his smaller iPhone SE. And there are plenty of people who don't have the cash flow to afford a $750 phone and don't even have the cash flow to really afford a iPhone 7 at the the 400 and some price yes. point that they're now dropped to. The iPhone SE was a $299 phone that was promoted out as being a $0 phone if you signed up for service or or was promoted as being a much more affordable phone. And now that's gone. And when it was announced, Tim Cook said that we want this phone so that we're serving everyone at every price point. And if we cannibalize ourselves, we cannibalize ourselves, basically was the idea. And And now that's gone. Interesting, isn't it? That's and I, I'm not sure what's going to happen to replace that in the price point. The size, I think, is gone. I think, unfortunately, for uh, for Neil and people with his needs for that smaller sized phone, they're they're just going to have to get used to using a larger phone at this point. But the uh, the price point, man, what's going to happen there? I, I am interesting to see what retailers do to try and fill that gap. I wonder about the second hand market. Will that take up the slack for it but no okay but you're right um you said before about apple having figures and things it must it's not worth it to them to have a price point there so they're obviously choosing to surrender that price point um uh, will it one day seem to be a mistake a marketing uh failure probably not i'm sure they've run the figures on it and they know more than i do it's hard to call a failure when Apple's making so much money yes. elsewhere. Yes. But I, you know, the, the iPhone SE lived for as long as it did because it reused the case of the iPhone 5 and 5S. And, and reusing that tooling and slotting in an updated motherboard or logic board meant that they, they didn't have to do a huge amount of work. They had to do a huge amount of work in designing the logic board. But for the most part, they were recycling bits they'd done on other phones. And with the you know that's that form factor is years old now as you say it's it's half the generations of iPhones old now that we're on 10 so it doesn't make sense to to carry that on but anything larger than that was going to be the 6 size which is the same as the 7 size so that's mm -hmm. what you got 
I remember, just remember lusting after an iPhone 5 and being so glad when I got one. Uh, and I didn't for the 6. I have a 6 uh, and I changed to it only because my 5 went so horribly badly wrong in the middle of a job and I had to replace it. I just got first phone available. Um, and actually, in a weird way, uh, that robbed me of the enjoyment of planning. Whereas now, I, there's too much planning to be done with this. It's just... Mm. Take my money. So there's there's a concept, right? I, I think about this a lot. The when when Steve Jobs came back to Apple, he slashed the product line. He he killed off a lot of machines, and we ended up with a four cell yeah. matrix: two consumer laptops, two pro, no two uh, a consumer laptop, a consumer desktop, a pro laptop, a pro desktop. Yeah, that was it. And and you had some choices among those models. Maybe three choices once you decided which one of those you were buying. Okay, so maybe there were 12 products overall, 12 SKUs. Yes. And if you could decide from four and then decide from three, you could purchase because you, you were really only having to decide one of those at a time. You weren't having to make seven choices. You were having to make two separate choices. Well, there was always the choice you can that, do that. Yeah, you could go elsewhere. You could buy Windows machines and things. Uh, well, right, but you'd already decided. Yeah. Once you, you got to a certain point, uh, it was substantially easier. Yes. Right. So this is what we call the paradox of choice. The paradox of choice is that I can choose from three items. I cannot choose from 24 items. No. I, I can't even choose. When you when you give me five items to choose from, you know, an iPhone 7, an iPhone 8, an iPhone 10R, an iPhone X, uh, 10S, an iPhone 10S Max, I, I now have five things to choose from. And that's not even counting the, the 8 Plus and the 7 Plus models, Right. So it paralyzes you, doesn't it? Yes, uh, and uh, you, you can hear me hesitating because actually uh, I'm not so fussed about the choice between the phones. I don't know the decision, but I can see the options for it. Where I just want to give up and cry is with the Apple Watch. I remember this when I first started. Um, I knew I had to get the cheapest one because I wasn't going to spend £17,000 on a gold one. But then which uh, colour, which strap? I'm amazed I went through it. In the end, I think actually anything I would have bought would have made me happy. And I'm trying to remember that now. Mm. Yeah. So you went in your head and you got the white ceramic. No, no. What you really did was you got a Hermes. <laughs> yeah, with the Milanese loop. That's clearly... Um, no, no. The, the double tour. Okay. I'm glad you said that word. You got the, the leather strap that wraps around twice. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Because sometimes, you know, if you're walking the dog and they lose the collar, it's really handy to... <laughs> <laughs> and then they can phone you. Note to our listeners, William will not be attending the London Fashion Week anytime soon. <laughs> okay. Sorry, my mind's just gone to Angela Arendt's. Um What would she think with her fashion background of my uh, sense of style? But okay, yes. So you were saying well she would tell you she would tell you that fashion is for everyone and that fashion is personal and so you have to find what you enjoy and what reflects your personality. Right, she's that nice. I like her already. But you were saying you I'm paralyzed. sure she is. I'm positive. I'm positive. When it comes to the phone choice, I am experiencing a little bit of phone paralysis. I I am experiencing the paradox of choice because there are too many models and too many price points. I, I know that I like having the best or second best. At the same time, I know that the iPhone 8 is a perfectly competent phone. And for that matter, so is the 7. And that they're going to be supported for years yeah. to come. So I'm a little stuck. Well, I'm – I just – I think an 8 Plus would probably do me just fine if I'm honest. 
an 8 plus versus a 10x a 10s well actually i might be able to make it even easier for you uh you have an uh iphone 6 running ios 12 and i think you got your battery replaced the way i did strictly speaking we can stick with these phones for at least another year and isn't that sensible of us yeah but i keep getting occasional slowdowns launching some apps that not true okay yes yes is that enough and i checked i i checked with apple's uh give back program or return back program or whatever they're calling it i think yeah. it's give back and they would offer me the grand total of 70 dollars for my iphone <laughs> okay. 6 but what about um what are those companies that will take uh old apple gear Gazelle, like gazelle thank you. I was and so forth. Giraffe. I knew that was wrong. Gazelle, yes. No, no. I think I, I have probably a little bit more than seventy dollars, maybe seventy-five. Right. But yeah, not enough to really <laughs> shake it. Not enough to make it worthwhile. No. Let's talk Apple Watch briefly because we're sure. running out of time here. So, some of the new watch faces announced by Apple will be available for the Series Three and earlier models of Apple Watches. Apple's issued tech talks for designing for the Apple Watch Series 4 and developing complications for the Series 4 watch. The Nike Plus version of the Apple Watch Series 4 is not launching until October 5th, two weeks after the Series 4 that everyone else gets. Okay, that's surprising. What's the difference? Uh, the, the, the Nike bands, um, some of the watch faces. Um, now it's the same hardware. You can still run the Nike Run app on all of them. So it's probably just more, uh, uh, we don't want to get lost in the the hype over the release. We want to have a little bit of a push of our own stuff as soon as possible afterwards. There, there is a name for that face they demonstrated with all the complications. The infograph modular face. Okay, infograph face. The Nike Apple Watch gets the Nike Apple Watch bands and it gets some watch faces that are specific to Nike and specific to that watch. The Run Club app works on all of them. Uh, the It's not preloaded on the Nike Plus watch, but the Nike Plus watch does prompt people to go ahead and install it right away. And and that's that's really it. The exclusive features are the bands, the watch faces, and... Uh, and the sense of belonging it. to Nike and the community. Yes, Absolutely. Which, I mean, I said it sarcastically, but actually, you know, I mean, are we not the same? Am I not the same about Apple stuff? I don't think I would go around uh, wearing an Apple shirt. I did wear a BBC shirt when I was there, and I've still got it, and I, I like it. Isn't there... What what size are uh, you? Incredibly slim, roguishly handsome, uh, lightweight, more like a ballet dancer than anything, really. Fantastic. Have I got the Apple shirt for you? <laughs> okay. I... Ages and ages and ages ago, long time ago, back in the Stone Age, when OS X was but a but a wee lad, I I worked at the Apple Store, and I have fresh, unopened, never worn shirts that they make the staff wear. You have a period specific historical document in cellophane. I do. And and you're going to give I it do. to me? Yes. Excellent. Okay. Well, you know, my opinion just goes up and up. And it will go completely unworn because it doesn't fit with your fashion thoughts at all. But I, I know. Well, it's... you told me that uh, Angela Arendt would say, um, you know, basically, what did you, I can't remember what you said, but it was really nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> dress the way you like. I can't remember what you said, but it was really there you nice. Go. Thank you. That sums it up right At least there. I can listen yeah. to the podcast later and check it out. How many conversations can you rewind today? This is, this is good. I like this technology. Yeah. All right. So Apple's created a bunch of films, and among the films 
One of them is called Real Stories, which details how the Apple Watch has saved lives. I that This is the thing that most appeals to me, is that the watch is a lifesaver. The watch with its, its high heart rate notifications, its low heart rate notifications, its falling alerts. This feels like something that really changes people's lives. I know we talk about it a lot on this show. I, I'm Honestly, that's personally why I'm so interested in getting one of the watches, and I have yet to do it, but it's, it's this pull that I feel because of that. It's not often you can say that a product you make has a direct impact on someone's life, and this one clearly has. Yes. I mean, I, you are more interested in the health side than I am, but I am as a, a gog, actually, at it. And, and I, I was so moved by those stories and things. And there's a bit of me thinking, uh, this is a sales presentation, and I'm being moved by it. it. I mean, it's not as bad as going into somewhere and uh, crying over a PowerPoint slide somebody's put up, but it was, yeah, I felt... it. It, it's a really fine line sometimes between being too much and maybe too cheesy and things. And I thought Apple hit it exactly right. I very straight, uh, just document really well done. Actually, I thought the whole keynote things. I loved the opening film. Uh, I thought that gag with Tim Cook tweeting accidentally just before it was just delicious. And yeah, and I love their flair and their style for all of this. So, yes, you like the health. I like the style. What can you do? Absolutely. I do. I do like the health. And I, I like that developers are now able to integrate their own complications from their apps into the watch app faces using the ClockKit API. The, the idea that developers can render an image into their large size modular complications on the Apple Watch face is about as close as you get to a custom watch face as we've seen in a long while. It is going to be interesting to see how developers take advantage yes. of it. You forget that, don't you? Out comes the new product, out comes OS 12, iOS 12 and Mac OS Mojave, and it all looks great and you really enjoy them. And then after a bit, developers find something really good uh, to deal with it. And it changes, well, not everything, but it changes a lot of things. I mean, I love using beta software when just at the time when these uh, operating systems are changing and people are trying out new things. Um, but then I'm I'm kind of I'm more more of a software guy than a hardware guy. Yet here I am lusting after. Oh, let's just to say it. I want the iPhone 10s Max with uh, an Apple a new Apple Watch uh, there. And if there's an iMac in October, okay, well I should spend my money on that instead. But you know, and I want HomePods. I want it all. There you go. There's no decisions needed. You just buy it. Yeah. Right. We'll be using the writer's good budget for that. <laughs> I should explain it. I'm deputy chair of the Writers Guild, so uh, and we have a lot of hardware. But there we go. Yes. Well, this brings us to the end. We've run out of time. Another perfectly good episode of the Apple Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Victor, and joining me for this episode was William Wawa Gallagher. I am so glad you were here. And please go ahead and and message us on Twitter. Messages messages on um... everything, everywhere. Oh no. Everything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you could send a text through to my watch and make me feel uh, like my watch was, you know, even more an important part of my life and that therefore I can justify buying a new one, then I'd like that even more. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Message us on Twitter. Message us on Updog. Message us on email. Send William an email at william at appleinsider.com. Tell us what phone you're going to get and tell us why, because, you know, we... we think it's really important that we have these discussions and understand what the motivations are for people. So go ahead and let William at William at Apple Insider know all about what phone you're getting and why. We hope to hear you back from you and we'll see you back soon. 
Right, I need to say, I heard some sort of bleep and whistle at your end there. Did you hear that? I heard it too. I was hoping it didn't come through. You could edit us. Go ahead and message us on Twitter. I'll do it again. Go ahead and message us on Twitter at VMarks or at W Gallagher. Go ahead and message us on Updog. Go ahead and send us email. Send William at AppleInsider.com an email. Tell us what phone you're buying. Tell us why. Tell us what Apple Watch you're going to get. And help us really understand what the motivation is for you. What tears you away from one and puts you toward the other. We hope to hear back from you, and we'll be back next week with more. Cheers. Cheers. We'll be back next week with more tea. Jamf now makes it easy to set up, manage, and protect your Apple devices so you can focus on your business. No IT experience needed. With Jamf now, you can check your digital inventory, distribute Wi-Fi and email settings, deploy apps, protect company data, and even lock or wipe a device as needed from anywhere. And now, Apple Insider podcast listeners can start securing your business today by setting up your first three devices for free forever. Add more for just $2 a month per device. Create your free account today at jamf.com slash appleinsider. That's J-A-M-F dot com slash Apple Insider.